Today's Life After the Crown podcast is brought to you by Show Me Your Moomoo. For listening to this podcast, the gang over at Show Me Your Moomoo was kind enough to offer a special discount for you, our listeners. From now until July 15, 2019, just use the code CAMIMUMU for 10% off all Show Me Your Moomoo items. That's CAMIMUMU, C-A-M-M-Y-M-U-M-U. It's just one use per customer. And again, that code gets you 10% off all Show Me Your Moomoo items. Enjoy the podcast, everybody. Hey, everybody. It's Cami Miller, co-founder of Show Me Your Moomoo, and you're listening to Life After the Crown with Tim Tialdo. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Life After the Crown podcast, where each episode I bring you interviews with former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who are now succeeding across many different industries in the real world. My name is Tim Tialdo, TV and pageant host, entrepreneur, author, and somebody who just wants to help you become better. Now, if you're wondering what life looks like after pageants, the advice, the stories, and the interviews that you hear on this podcast will not only inspire you, but help make your transition from pageants to professional life a bit easier to handle. So if this is your first time listening, thanks for tuning in. We're glad you're with us. Let's get started. My guest today is the co-founder of the popular Show Me Your Moo Moo fashion brand, which she and her best friend Cologne dreamed up while on a summer vacation in 2009. The brand quickly grew under their creative direction and within a few years was being sold in major retail stores including Saks, Bloomingdale's, and Nordstrom. The last three years have been particularly successful as they have grown their business and audience significantly since launching their bridesmaids and maternity collection. They most recently launched the Muternity line, and then in April of 2018, Cami welcomed her first baby, Magnolia Mae Miller. And Cami and I just caught up back in December where she was a judge at Miss South Carolina USA. Cami Miller, I know you're super busy and running around this morning, but I appreciate you taking the time to come on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so congrats on being a mama. Now, your daughter and mine, by the way, are just a few weeks apart. Uh, in age. So yeah. how has life been this past, I guess, about nine months here, uh, not only being a mom, but also working on a, a growing business? Life has been crazy, as you can imagine. Being a mom, I think for anyone is so hectic and wild. And then you add being a mom to Mumu, which is really my first baby. And, you know, it's crazy, but I love what I do. I love being a mom. So we find ways to make it work. And they say, you know, you have to have your village. And I, it takes a village, and I have my village. And I'm so fortunate for all the support I have around me to make it all happen because, you know, there are not enough hours in the day. <laughs> well, you definitely have a village. I think any time that, you know, I've seen you come to a pageant and judge, you know, you've been at a couple with me now. I mean, you, you bring a harem. I mean, you've got a, you've got a village that, that travels around <laughs> with you. It's pretty funny. I do. I do. I have my posse of boomer girls. <laughs> Um, and yeah, we, both things we do for work, there's always a handful of us and we try to have as much fun as possible. We're all getting our job done. Well, you know, speaking of uh, pageants, since you, you come to them and you judge them, I know a lot of the, the models that you tend to use, uh, tend to come from the pageant world. I remember, uh, I think Kabia Sambasivam was one of your most recent ones that I remember you using. How do you go about selecting models for uh, modeling your brand and your line? Yeah, so there's a couple different ways that we do that. From the beginning, our brand, we always love to use girls that were maybe undiscovered or just starting in their modeling careers because it's fun for us to give these girls a chance to do what they love and 
you know, see if this is something they want to pursue. And so we've always sort of tried to find people at the beginning of their careers or a little younger. And honestly, now with social media for, you know, any number of shoots or reasons, we'll go to Instagram to look for girls and this and that. And pageants are, you know, a collection of the hardest working, most beautiful girls in any given state. So it's just a great modeling pool for us to look at. Like it's a great start right there. They've already weeded through a lot of the, a lot of the things we look for. Let's just go back to the kind of the beginning of your business. I read the story um, about you in Cologne and Miami and how you came up with the idea, but I have a, fo- I have a feeling you can probably tell it pretty well. So can you kind of take everybody back to that summer night, 2009, you're in Miami and the conversation kind of comes up with, you know, how this whole thing created. Can you kind of just talk about it? So our story with Mumu is so funny. We were in Miami, as you said, for a weekend. It was so hot. If you've been to Miami in the summer, you know the humidity that I'm talking about. And Cologne, my best friend and I were running around and we kept sort of saying the same thing. I wish we had a Mumu to wear, but it would be a cute Mumu because it would be something that wasn't touching you, but bright and colorful. And you could, you know, wear it to lay out at the beach, but then you could throw on jean shorts and wear it to dinner. And we just kept talking about this thing that we wish we had. And um, we were with our friend who uh, was a business, is a businessman. And he's like, why don't you guys just make this Mumu? I love it. Show me your Mumu. So he actually is the one who said, show me your Mumu. And (laughs) there was, you know, lobster flying out of his mouth and champagne going around the table. It was a very funny, wild dinner. And and we, it just made us laugh. And so the rest of the weekend, we were just running around Miami screaming, show me your Mumu. Well, when we got home, we're like, listen, why don't we do this? You know, if we want it, there's other girls who want it. We both worked in fashion at the time. So if we felt like this thing was missing, it probably was. So that sort of started the birth of Mumu. And then from there, we, you know, were really scrappy. We had, uh, we went on Craigslist and paid someone $100 to make the first pattern and just found ways to make it work. And really Craigslist was our main resource in the beginning to really get things up and running. Maybe that should be your tagline from Craigslist to stardom. The story of show me your movie from Craigslist to stardom. Yeah. I don't, I haven't been on Craigslist in so long. Is that still like a thing? I think okay, it exists. I, I don't know if I want to. Okay. I'm not, I'm not so sure for, for, for what, anyone but listening, I think it does. Yeah. For anyone listening, I don't know if that's still the place you go to find talent. <laughs> but it was at that time. <laughs> so tell me, was fashion design and kind of, you know, building a business something that you always wanted to do? Or did you have other dreams that you were pursuing prior to this whole idea? You know, it wasn't um, my vision for myself or what I thought I would end up doing. But I had been exposed to fashion at a really young age because my mom, when I was growing up, owned boutiques. So I had been with her to market and I would work in the store. And I, my favorite thing, I love to dress the mannequins and all that stuff. So naturally, I had a history with fashion that I had, you know, seen throughout my childhood. And I always, you know, like any girl, I loved clothes. But I, I didn't necessarily set out to do that. But when we graduated college, the whole economy had crossed and we moved to New York, which at that Senate sounds crazy. Why would you move to New York if the economy crashed? But we did because we were young and we had just gotten the, you know, we had just graduated college and that's where we wanted to be. And we piled like 89 girls in an apartment to afford to rent and all of the jobs we found were in fashion. So we had all different majors. I was a film theory major. There was a history major. Chrome was a business major. And we all ended up working in fashion. And half of us of the six are still working in fashion. So it was just one of those things where that's where I ended up. And I honestly loved it 
so much and I love, I've always been very entrepreneurial. I can't even say that. I have been that. <laughs> um, how do I say that word, Tim? Entrepreneurial. Entrepreneurial. I've always been very entrepreneurial. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's too hard to say. Hey, as long as you can um, do it, that's and, all that matters. <laughs> so I, I ended up loving working in fashion, but I also love the business side and the marketing side and the photo shoots and just, you know, all of it. It's, it's a way to be creative and be in the business world and, you know, do it all. So I didn't set out to do it, but I think that often there's too much pressure on people to know what you want to do at 18 years old and pick the right major and all these other things. But I just think you need to follow your heart and do something that's interesting to you where you're going to be engaged and you're going to, you know, work hard. Like I was a film theory major that has nothing to do with what I'm doing now, but I was really happy at college. I made good grades. I wrote really long papers. So my writing skills probably improved. You know, if you're loving what you're doing, you're setting yourself up for success no matter where life sort of leads you. So I've had a couple of other fashion designers on here that have built some pretty significant brands. Um, You may know Candice Pelletier. And then I also had Angela King on who basically designs a, a large percentage of all the professional cheerleading uniforms out there. And the one thing that I remember talking to them about that I'd love to kind of hear your feedback on is, you know, it's one thing to come up with an idea and a, you know, quote unquote design. The biggest and hardest part for them was how do I actually get all this made and where do I go to do that? Yes. And I get a lot of Instagram questions and things like that, asking similar things. And like I said, when we started, it was a little bit different. We went on Craigslist and we found everyone and we were living in New York. And so we would go to the fabric store and we would buy all this like dead stock cheap fabric. And then we would put it in a trash bag, walk down the street to this factory we found on Craigslist. (laughs) And um, this kind of crazy wild man had a team of sewers and they would sew it. And then we would come back, you know, a couple of days later with our trash bag and bring it back to our apartment. And we didn't cook at the time. I actually still don't cook. I wish I did. But we set up the kitchen as our shipping department. We had things in the oven, in the freezer, all over. And that's how we did it in the early days. You know, we figured it out and we made it happen. That was also not financially sustainable. <laughs> it's a very expensive <laughs> business model. <laughs> it worked for the time to, you know, we still had our full-time job. So this is us just sort of figuring this thing out. When we decided to do it full time after doing research, you know, made in America is not common anymore. But actually in Los Angeles, we have a pretty good factory system still here. So we did our research and realized that's where we could sort of make it happen on a scalable level. Also in LA, you can have a car, you can, you know, all these things in New York that were not possible. And so, yeah, we, we literally, we got here and went door to door, researched things online, showed up at places and said, can you help us? You know, anything to get it done. So we were super scrappy about it. And, you know, there were people that I knew that were in the industry and I would always ask for contacts or advice and help. And I think you have to have a little bit of that figure it out mentality. And, you know, we still, as big as we are now, we still run into issues where factories close or their quality wasn't as good. And, you know, we have to go back to the drawing board and like figure out solutions. There is no magic answer. You're not going to like walk into a factory and they can make every single thing you want and they give you a perfect product. That is not how it happens. (laughs) So tell me what was the most, uh, I guess the most difficult part of building a fashion brand, because I know there's a ton, as you mentioned, that you have to do, but there was there one thing that you were like, man, that was the most difficult thing that we ever had to overcome in the history of our business? Oh, it's maybe it's 
hard to pinpoint one, but I think as a general thought, the first two to three years when we decided to do it full time as our job, it was when I say 24-7, I mean like 24-7. It was so much work. And I think that's probably why in the early days, a lot of businesses fail because luckily we were in a position, we had no husbands, no children. We could literally dedicate our entire lives to this baby Moo and help it grow. And I, when I look back now at what we did then, I'm like, oh my gosh, we were crazy. I mean, it was nonstop and it was exhausting, but it was fun. And we didn't have a lot of other responsibilities, so we made it work. So I'm grateful for that time we spent. But I also look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I ever want to work that hard again. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's what it took for us to get this thing started. You know, we... We had no money, so it was just us, and we figured it out. And our moms would make the food for the photo shoots. And, I mean, you know, we just figured out how to make it happen, but it was so much work. And I can totally see how someone would throw in the towel and be like, I don't want to live my life completely for this business or this company. But in our case, that's what it took to keep, go- to keep it going in the early days. So if you used your kitchen as your uh, shipping facility, what did you eat? <laughs> <laughs> well, in New York, you know, all you do is take out, take out, take out. We would like, we would get frozen yogurt delivered to our house like three times a day. Frozen like, yogurt? Knew, oh yeah, that was like our favorite thing in New York. <laughs> we would be getting like three frozen yogurt deliveries a day, truly, from this place <laughs> called um, Light Delight. And the man always knew it and he'd bring us extra sprinkles and so was the New York life. And then... Um, in L.A., what did we eat? Well, in L.A., we had um, I got an apartment with a second bedroom that in the office. So then we got our kitchen bath. And then you're able to cook. Yes. Then we were able, or at least just like store food that we bought from other places. I can't, I can't lie and tell you that I've started cooking yet because I haven't. That's for my later life. Hey, at least you're honest. I'm like a retired mom. So, you know, looking back on, I guess, those two to three years, if you could go back, what would you not do again that you had to learn the hard way? What would I? Oh, well, you know, hindsight's 2020. And as we have grown, there have been, you know, a couple sort of hiring mistakes. I would say, where we felt pressure to hire someone for their resume, even though they might not have aligned with our company culture. And you can be a super talented, smart person who is good at their job or good at what they do. But for us to keep this company moving the way we want, we need people to be, you know, of the boom mindset and on board with our bigger picture and that kind of thing. So I definitely think that paying more attention to making sure each hire fit into the company culture is something I wish I had learned earlier on. Well, you mentioned the Moo mindset. Um, what is the Moo mindset? The Moo mindset is you can sit with us. It's, you know, be kind, have fun, love life, everything positive. When me and Cologne started the company, we felt like every clothing line that was talking to us as consumers was talking to us like, we're cool, you're not, and sort of this like snobby attitude and like Regina George from Mean Girl. So for us, we wanted to create a company that felt super inclusive and positive and fashion can be fun and it doesn't have serious. So it's always sort of been our mindset. And we love to see everyone in our clothes and we love to regram pictures of all types of people in our clothes. We're not just in this, you know, one way thinking that some brands sort of get stuck in. And I think we've really done a good job at um, just keeping that. Yeah. Tell me how you and Cologne became friends. So me and Cologne actually became 
became friends. And so don't, you know, maybe if you're thinking about it, go to the frat party because me and Cologne <laughs> met at, at Berkeley at, I believe the fraternity was called Zate at the ping pong, in the ping pong room. So look, you like never know. <laughs> where you could meet your lifelong best friend and business partner. Probably some great advice there, Cammy. Go to the <laughs> frat really party to meet your business partner. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I know it sounds crazy. And we always say, you know, there's definitely hesitation to go into business with friends. I've heard that a lot. Everyone hears that a lot. And I don't think that that is true for everyone. Obviously, in the case of me and Cologne, we have been great business partners and better business partners because we are best friends and we do care about each other's personal lives as well as working lives. And for us, it's worked amazing. And I I wouldn't want to do it with someone who wasn't my best friend. So I think when people have a hesitation to do that, you need to know if you're the type of person that can work with your best friend. And by that, I mean, did you guys disagree all day at work and can still go to dinner and have a margarita and have fun together? You know, that's sort of the question. And Cologne and I are very, it's very easy for us. We're very good at that. We leave it all at the office and some people aren't able to do that. So I would just challenge that, you know, don't work with your best friend. I don't think that's true. I think it just depends on, you know, who you are, who your best friend is and personality types, basically. Now, I've had a lot of people ask me, you know, I, I know you kind of described it at the top of the show. What exactly is a mumu? Can you can you clarify? <laughs> I can clarify. And, you know, we get a lot of, if you're, you know, near a computer, Homer Simpson references, he wears a mumu. You know, it's a old traditional Hawaiian dress that sort of became popular in America as a house dress and then somehow became associated just with like uh, heavy grandmas, heavy set grandmas basically, but you know, they were always comfortable and printed. So we love what the roots of a mumu is, it's pretty and it's comfortable. And so we loved that part of it, but we're like, why not also make it kind of cute? And that's sort of, that's how we still try to design our line is, you know, we want things to be comfortable and cute at the same time. And yeah, so if you Google Moomoo, you'll see it's this, you know, just this big, huge sack of a dress that we, you know, topped off, made short, kept it flowy. We design a lot of our things. We like to say sexy flowy, which are two words that might not normally go together, but they do in Moomoo land. Sexy flowy. I like that. Sexy and, flowy. Because like, yeah. you don't have to be in a bandage dress. To look cute and sexy. That's you true. Don't, you know? and, and from what but I understand, you, you took the... against the bandage dress. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You you took the, the Hawaiian spelling and just kind of changed it up for your own brand, correct? Yeah. So we, because we like to say we like chopped off the dress, meaning the link, we ch- also chopped off the name. So the traditional Hawaiian spelling is M-U apostrophe U, M-U apostrophe U. So we chopped it chop the length of the dress and chop the name and our our mumu is just m-u-m-u we reinvented the spelling and reinvented the mumu got it okay so you guys come up with the idea 2009 you're in miami you explained it earlier i guess at that moment when you you know kind of made a cheers with your champagne and said we're going to do this what did you really foresee this being did you just see it as like a small business that was going to be fun or did you see it growing into what it is today we totally saw it as a small business that was going to be fun I mean, we, in the beginning, we were just doing it on the side of our full-time job, exactly like for fun. And it's just, it was going so well in the early days that we thought, okay, like maybe we should get a little more serious and try a little more. And so the first few years were us just 
working our butts off and trying our hardest and being like, is it still going to work? Is it still growing? Oh, it is. Okay, well, let's keep going. And then, okay, now we can hire an employee. And, you know, it was this very sort of timid, unplanned growth. And, you know, now we're entering like our ninth official year of shipping and selling and wholesale and all of that. And um, I think our advisors and stuff would like for us to have a five-year plan, but we still don't. But at least now we have like a one, a one to two year plan. It used to be like the one month plan. You know, we're just trying to keep like, the bank account open. So, so you're <laughs> yeah, not the typical like, business plan investors, the whole deal. Yes, we don't have investors yet. It's still our company, but we have awesome advisors, people that have been in the industry for a super long time that help us sort of make those larger business decisions and get us, you know, on the path to the future. And we we just have a great team behind us and it's combining their insight with what we believe and we just, you know, we make it happen. So yeah, now now we have a vision for a few years ahead, but I don't like to plan too far ahead because We've been um, so pleasantly surprised with the success and how fast it's grown that we couldn't have possibly, you know, we couldn't have planned this. So if you had to attribute to, you know, the success of Show Me Your Moo Moo to, you know, maybe a couple of things, what do you think have been the most either important avenues or reasons that you have grown successfully? I would obviously, back to the same old theme, hard work. I don't think some people, it probably looks really fun when you're watching us on Instagram, but there's no way to actually convey how hard we had to work in the beginning and how hard we still work every day to make this all happen. You know, our job is to make life and clothes look fun. We will do a little bit of behind the scenes stuff on social media so you can see what goes into it, but we like to keep it really positive so, you know, you're not seeing the day-to-day grueling efforts of everyone on our team and you know that's the reality of it all and I don't think everyone wants to work as hard as we work and as hard as our amazing teamwork and that's really honestly what it's taken I also think there's always an element of luck involved because it's the right place it's the right time it's you know I've we know a lot of people I always and you know we always tell this to our team members as well everywhere I go when I'm meeting new people you know I always have lived my life and, you know, kindness and social grace and things like that. And it's really crazy because as I've grown up and as time has passed, like it's amazing the people that have come back into my life or been able to help me or I've been able to help them just because I met them, you know, 10 years ago at a wedding or something like that. So when I say luck, I don't mean pure dumb luck, I guess. I mean, you know, sometimes the stars align and if you live life with kindness and with positivity, I think everything, you know, comes back to you. Be a good person. Well, you mentioned the hard work on a daily basis and just everything that you guys have to do. So let's talk about that. Can you describe a typical day in your life with Show Me Your Moo Moo? Um, and, and I'll say this on the days that you're not recording a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So obviously it has shifted now that I have a child. But so a typical work day for me right now, you know, we wake up when the baby starts to cry. So that could be anywhere from like six to seven. And that's my time with her in the morning. So I actually, for the first time in my life, like waking up early. Never thought I would say that. <laughs> um, and I get, to spend, <laughs> I get to spend an hour or two with my baby, which is great. And I usually, you know, then I'll go to the office maybe around 10 and from that point on, it is meetings, 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 and then I'm supposed to leave at five, but I usually end up leaving at 
seven. So by the time I get home, my baby's asleep, and then we start all over the next day. (laughs) (laughs) So how many employees or staff do you in Cologne have? So we just actually broke 100 employees. So we have a little over 100. And we love our team. We just think we have the best team in the whole world. And we have taken our entire shipping team in-house, which was a big increase to the employee list. But it's been such a positive thing for us, and we love, you know, controlling everything. And from customer service to shipping to all of that, we want the Moomoo experience from A to Z to feel like Moomoo and be awesome for everyone. So, yeah, that's our team. And we do, like, an annual Christmas party, which is so fun because we have we have a warehouse, and then we have sort of a creative office. So we don't often get to interact all together. And so we just had our big holiday party with everyone, and it's so fun. And everyone brings all their kids, and just like that's some of my happiest memories um, at Moomoo when we're all together with the families not working and just getting to, you know, enjoy each other's company and all of the hard work of the year. Yeah. And, and from what I can tell, I mean, you guys have one of those cultures that people love to work at. I know like Zappos, for instance, is, you know, infamous for that type of culture. And it seems like you guys kind of perpetuate the same thing. The Zappos culture is amazing. I actually read his book and um, very early on that inspired me a lot and you know it gets harder definitely the the more you grow but it's also just again like it's back to the people you hire if you are hiring the type of person that um you see you know you want to be or that has the same values as you it's going to contribute to that and make it better and keep it great so it's really about the awesome people that we've found to you know carry the moomoo torch well, so now that we've kind of learned and understood of, you know, how Show Me Your Moo was built, what all goes into it behind the scenes, the stuff that people don't see, let's talk about kind of the surface level stuff, the stuff that people do see, your marketing. Now, I was just reading the other day, Forbes put your uh, Show Me Your Moo on what they call the, quote, influencer approved dress brands for your holiday party. So that's a cool list to be on. So, you know, from what I can tell <laughs> in your marketing, cool. you know, you guys have really uh, been able to not only get your apparel into, you know, the well-known stores like Nordstrom's and Sachs, but you also really connect with well-known print media outlets that market your collections. How did you go about um, making those connections and really getting your brand out there? You know, if there's a hundred different ways that all those things, you know, come to be. And as I said before, like one of them is through uh, meeting people, being out personal connections. And then obviously another channel, we have an awesome um, outside PR company that works on getting us great print placement and things like that. And then in-house, we also have PR and marketing team who works on that type of stuff. So there's all these different avenues where you can get different placements and different things like that. But, you know, just like raising a baby, it takes a village. (laughs) That certainly does. Now, um, you had an article, I think just a couple of days ago, maybe even yesterday, in InStyle magazine that talked about how you added three new sizes to your collection for more curvy figures. Um, Talk about the decision to make those additions. So we have been making bridesmaids dresses since Cologne and I both got married and realized there was, you know, a hole in the market for more affordable sexy, flowy dresses. And um, that's when we started. And we have gotten so much positive feedback with the bridesmaid line and also a lot of people wanting extended sizes. And it's definitely always been something we've wanted to do. But as, you know, a small company, we have to sort of move slowly. But we've been working on this now for a couple of years. And so I'm so happy it's finally launched. And that we can include more people in our bridesmaids dress collection and make more people happy for their wedding day. It's um, 
for us, being a part of people's wedding days is so special. And being able to do extended sizing is just going to make more bridesmaids and more brides happy. And I, I'm so excited for that. And so we're hoping it goes well and that we can continue to expand our sizing all across the board. So this is the, just the beginning. And I hope we gain a whole new customer and we can continue moving forward because I think it's so important. And as I mentioned earlier, we want everyone to sit with us. We want everyone to be at the Moomoo table. So this is, you know, just a small step in that direction. And I wish I wish it could have happened sooner, but we got to move slow because we have to keep the doors open. And I'm just happy it ha- it's happening now. Well, no doubt you're making a lot of people happy with that move. So congratulations on that. Um, I was on your website this morning, just looking through all your lines, and you have you have a lot of lines. I mean, you got a lot of stuff that you sell. Is there one particular item that outsells all the others? So the first style we ever made was what we call the original Moomoo, and so that was the only thing we made for a year. It would just come in different fabrics, and we would keep selling it. And so that is something we like to bring back at least once a year, and it always sells out. It's like the classic Moomoo body that we first made, and it's still is every time we put it up, it'll sell out. So whereas you used to have 20 options on the website of the Moomoo, the original Moomoo was the only thing we made. Now we'll just sort of sprinkle in one in a great print every now and then, to, you know, to get people excited about it. So that definitely is like the tried and true Moomoo style that always sells out. Very good. Okay. Well, um, I talked to a lot of, and I'm particularly talking about the pageant world here, a lot of girls who are, you know, uh, startup fashion designers, you know, they probably were a lot like you in Cologne at the time. And Um, they look up to you and they see this great brand that you've built and they certainly admire you. So for those listening, if you had one piece of advice to someone just starting out, what would that be? First of all, that makes me so happy that you say that. And that means so much to me. It really does. And I love thinking that we could be an inspirational story to someone sort of in our position in the early days. And I mean, I hope they look at us and know that even if their idea sounds absolutely crazy, if they think it's a good idea and if they believe in it, it might not be crazy. You know, like, can you imagine how many people in the beginning were like, you're making a sexy moo What are you talking about? <laughs> they thought we were crazy. You know, but we were like, no, 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 we're not crazy. There's, there's something here. There's something here. We really, really believed in it. And so we didn't get distracted by all the noise. And, you know, there's other times still in our, you know, business careers where we have felt like we needed to do something, whatever it was. And we've had people say, are you crazy? Don't do that. It'll never work. And all of that. And when we really believe both were on the same page and we believe in something, we've always gone forward and it's always worked out and it's always been the right choice. So I think that probably definitely plays into listening to your gut and not getting distracted. You know, you got to use your brain sometimes, but don't get too distracted by that stuff in the early days of an idea. You know, see it through. And as long as you believe in it, I believe, keep pursuing it. Instagram has been big for you guys. I can tell that, you know, your audience is, uh, I think, 425,000 or something like that. I know Facebook was a big deal for you guys back when it was cool. Um, but now Instagram's yeah. really, <laughs> really kind of the more uh, prominent of the, the social media avenues to be able to sell stuff on. Um, how do you approach your Instagram marketing right now? Um, you know, Instagram is ever changing. I everyone knows who's on it. Um, similar to what happened with Facebook. So we just try to stay current and never get too comfortable. The early days of Instagram are different than now. So we, you know, we have weekly social media meetings and, you know, daily check-ins where 
we're putting up content that we believe in and we're seeing how it does and how engaged our customer is. And when things aren't working, we like to modify. And our message with um, Instagram, though, we want to show you our products, show you our awesome products that we've made for you, but also let you see, you know, behind the scenes a little bit at Moomoo and meet a lot of the girls that work for us and that kind of thing. So you really feel a part of a community. And yeah, we always aim to do a mixture of photo shoot photos and then just, you know, real out and about cell phone photos because um, we want you to see normal people wearing the clothes as well as the gorgeous models. You know, we want it to be a variety and be both. So we really aim to do that. But it is, you know, it changes month to month. So we will see what Instagram's doing in six months and we will adapt. So earlier you talked about, you know, you don't like to plan too far out, but I would love to know, you know, really in your mind, where do you envision this whole thing going? Are you wanting to go, you know, like international? What's the vision for the Show Me Your Moo Moo brand? Right now we do, we ship international, but we would like to get deeper into that world. And we, it might be a little bit of a secret, but I'll tell you. So we're, <laughs> we're in the process right now of building a brand new website and it's going to be amazing and you're going to be able to be completely in the Moo collection world or completely in the bridal world and so we're excited to keep those on the same homepage but uh, develop their own individual websites where you can really engage with the product in the way you would like to based on what it is and with that we are going to be improving our shipping our returns all of that so be on the lookout for what's to come I think right now our main focus is improving customer experience A to Z It is a crazy fast-paced world, an Amazon world. So we're just trying to deliver our product to people in the most positive way and hope that everyone has a good experience. So we're really working on that right now. And with that, we'll hopefully be an expansion to better, you know, shipping outside of the U.S. and that kind of thing. And then we may be launching kids' clothes in the spring. Oh, look out. (laughs) That's another secret that I'll tell you. That's very good. Um, Well, I appreciate that. We are, you know, now that we have our own babies and we see what's missing in the market, exciting stuff coming for little tots. So that's going to be fun. I think for us, the future, the vision is just to continue to grow in a healthy way and keep our boomer girls happy and keep our community alive. Well, I certainly think you'll be able to do that when you're expanding into the, the kids section there. So good luck with that. Uh, with the new website, I think when Thank it pops you. up, it should just have a deep voice that says sexy flowy and just go from there <laughs> i think we need you to do the recording you have the perfect deep voice for that <laughs> well give me a call we'll see what we can work out that'd be good all right so uh hey at the end of every interview i like to do what's called uh basically it's developed into what's called the life after the crown get to know you speed round questions it's just 10 fun oh, questions God. that you get to answer are you ready i think so <laughs> all right here we go I'm number nervous. one <laughs> at what age do you want to retire a hundred a hundred, really? <laughs> I think because I think because I mean never. I, I I love what I do and I love working. So hopefully I won't have to work as much one day. But I don't think I'll ever fully retire. All right, no. So Cammy's going to the coffin without retiring. Okay, I'll, I'll take. That. Yeah. Number yeah. two. What's the fastest speed you've ever driven in a car? Oh my gosh! Like not very fast at all. I'm kind of a grandma driver. 
I don't think I've gone very fast. Like 65. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> you might be like, how slow have you driven on a highway? Because I get like kind of like spacey. So then it's like way too slow. You're way one of those. Okay. Not a fast right. driver. I'll make sure I honk at you when I pass you on the 405. <laughs> All right. Number three, big dogs or small dogs? Well, I have a medium dog, so I'm going to say medium dog. He's about 25 pounds. You're pleasing everybody right down the uh, middle. We'll take it. <laughs> yeah. All right, number four. On a scale of one to ten, how good are you at keeping secrets? Well, I would like to think of myself as a ten, but I'm actually, this morning I was just with my friend who I accidentally told her secret recently, so I'm going to have to say I'm a nine. <laughs> yeah, but you just kind of knocked yourself just, right off that 10 level. I just dealt with that this morning because I, yes, I actually told you a secret, but it was a secret that I didn't know was a secret. So that doesn't count as not keeping a secret if you don't know it's a secret. But she did tell me it was a secret, but I was pregnant. So, you know. <laughs> so that's a good excuse. Like, forget I love about it. it. <laughs> Can't remember anything when you're pregnant. Well, speaking of pregnant, that goes to number five. How many kids would you like to have? Um, I would like to have four, but I will probably have two. (laughs) (laughs) That's a a big compromise there. (laughs) Had I gotten married and started at a younger age, I think I would have more. But I am 33 in March. And, you know, on my 40th birthday, I don't want to be breastfeeding a baby. I want to be, like, having fun and my kids are, like, dancing. Sure. Okay. Understand. All right. Number six. Who was your first celebrity crush? Oh, my gosh. My first celebrity crush was probably Chris Williams. Me and my sister were, like, so obsessed with him. And every time we would go on vacation, we'd be, like, looking for British flags on boats at the beach and just, like, dreaming that he was near us. <laughs> and we were so obsessed. But now I'm totally a Prince Harry girl. you just like princes, it sounds like. Yeah. Very regal. So, number seven, I think you clued me into this one earlier, but are you a morning person or a night person? I'm a night person, for sure. But having a baby has made me a morning with my baby person. But my heart is with the night owl and with sleeping in. I can sleep for like 100 hours in a row. <laughs> okay. Number eight, do you like giving <laughs> presents or getting presents? Um, I think I like both. I get, I get so excited give people something that I know they're going to love or throw a surprise party and that kind of thing but I mean also who doesn't love a present like presents are great (laughs) okay we'll go down the middle on that one we'll go both okay number nine do you Instagram your food hmm I think I am guilty of it in the past but I think at this point in my life the food would really have to be special and motivating and like I would have to be hungover and it would have to be a beautiful fried chicken sandwich and french fries and the lighting would have to be perfect you know so, i find it interesting that being hung over is an ingredient that has to be a part of that yeah like i'd have to feel really passionate about what i was about to eat and it would have to be beautiful i'm not a regular food instagrammer because i'm not that good at um filtering photos and stuff so like i don't think people want to see my hamburger <laughs> that's probably true. But it's just a hamburger probably not <laughs> all right last one number 10 <laughs> What is the place that you most want to travel to that you haven't already? Oh my goodness, like everywhere that I've never been, I love, love, love. And I always want to go to new places and do new things, but top of my list, I think, would be Iceland. Because every time I see someone there, the pictures just like kill me and I want to get in one of those baths with 
seemed so bad, and it just looked so gorgeous and cool. So I'm going to say Iceland. All right, so you want to go from Venice Beach to Iceland. Yep. That's the All right. plan. All right, you're off the hot seat. You made it through the uh, speed round, so congratulations. Thanks for doing that. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, hey, thanks for sharing your story today. Uh, so cool to hear about how Show Me Your Moo Moo has grown, and, uh, of course, I look forward to seeing you at more pageants here in the future. I'm sure you'll be judging, so uh, thanks again for the time. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode, and thanks to Cammie Miller for her time. And if you enjoyed it, hey, please subscribe. You can do so on Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, Google Play, and YouTube. Or you can just go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And for weekly podcast updates, just follow me on Instagram at Tim Tialdo. Until next time, remember the words of Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. See you next week, everybody.